Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Sports Radio 1019 FM. It's funny, you know, you, I wake up this morning... Way too early, by the way. Get home yesterday at 6 o'clock. Remember, we did the show five hours last night, and we're thinking, hey, Judge, anything's going to happen. Something's going to happen any any moment here. Nothing happens, of course. And then you're thinking, at least I was thinking, all right, well, I'm going to bed. And it's possible something could happen while I'm sleeping. But usually, you know, they're on the West Coast. You would think maybe once you got past the wee hours of the morning here, the Judge news would come down a little bit later. Not so fast. I went to bed at 6 when I got home, you know, shortly after that, and wake up around 9. I don't know, the dog must have been barking or something, because normally I'll sleep right through till until 12 p.m. And that's normally I'll wake up and start to get my day going. But I wake up around 9, and I check my phone because I know that SNY is having breaking news coverage throughout the course of this week in the event something does happen. And I see... Text from the producer, hey, any chance you're up? Now, this was like an hour prior, and I was like, oh, crap. And I texted him back, what happened? And then I get the news, judge back with the Yankees. Now, I ended up doing the show and whatever, but and I'm on three hours and 40 minutes of sleep, so excuse my potential lack of energy tonight. We're going to give you the best that we got for the next three hours, and then go home and pass the bleep out. But I hear the news about judge. Of course, I go to Twitter. And see the reaction. And you would think that the Yankees did something special. To me, all the Yankees did was avoid embarrassment. Now, it's not saying that they could have done something differently at this particular point. They couldn't. They did what they had to do. Judge clearly wanted to be back. And by the way, for those of you Met fan knuckleheads out there who continue to think that Jacob deGrom wanted to be back and blame the Mets, no, he didn't. He wanted out. This is what it looks like when a player wants to come back. Judge gets on the phone with the owner. He says, yes, I want to be a Yankee, but I need that ninth year. Owner says, okay, done. There you have it. That's how it works when someone wants to be somewhere. It was the complete opposite with DeGrom and the Mets. But back to the original point. The Yankees put themselves in a position so badly here that the only thing that they could do was save face. And maybe because of the scare after the fake report from John Heyman, maybe after... That scare, fans, and I do believe fans thought he was gone, and and even if it were for five minutes, whatever it may have been, they lived through those five minutes thinking that their guy was gone. 
and the emotions that you deal with in those few minutes thinking, oh, my God, is this actually happening? You don't want to believe it. You can't believe it. Turns out you couldn't believe it because it wasn't true. But because of that, then there was this joy, if not just flat-out relief, when it was announced that Judge is coming back. Oh, and by the way, took less money to do so. Another thing, might I add, that I told you was going to be the case all season long. Judge will get more money elsewhere. It's going to be a matter of if he wants that money or to come back to the Yankees. And like we said, clearly he wanted to come back to the Yankees, which he played this whole thing as perfectly as you possibly could. From the turning down the $213 million low ball offer to going out there and dominating the season to not saying a peep about where he was going to go, not giving anybody any insight, no clues whatsoever, leading the Yankees along. They had no, they were in the dark. I told you he was making them sweat, dragging this thing out, putting the Yankees through the ringer. And that's exactly what he did and ultimately decided to go back. But the idea that the Yankees are some great organization because they didn't let their best player go is just ridiculous. They saved face. They avoided embarrassment. They did. Matter of fact, they cost themselves millions of dollars. Because if those knuckleheads would have just signed Judge for $300 million before the year, they could have saved $60 million bucks. Now you could say, what's the difference? And maybe that's true. We'll see how active the Yankees are now after this. But they had to get the deal done. We knew it all along. And deep down... Even if you wanted Judge to go, whether you're a Yankee fan or a Met fan, whatever. I mean, they were a little bit of both. Even if you wanted Judge to go, you had to know. I mean, this is where we talk about using common sense. Same thing I was talking about all week with Terry Collins over at SNY. Use some common sense. Do you really think Aaron Judge is going to leave New York to go elsewhere? Now, at that time, I didn't know that he was going to get a forty million another year on top of his offer for you know turned down forty million bucks to go to the Padres. That was surprising because any player that turns down that type of money, even if it is just one year, forty million bucks one year, that's a big deal. But he turns that down to stay with the Yankees. It just shows you he never, ever was going to leave the Yankees unless they low-balled him so badly that it showed that they didn't want him back. But I cannot sit here and applaud the Yankees. Now, I give Hal Steinbrenner credit for getting the deal done, ultimately. But they screwed this up. And let it be a lesson learned, not only for the Yankees moving forward, but also for the Mets. Where you look at a guy like Pete Alonso, who's under control for three more years. Where you look at Jeff McNeil. The Mets would be smart. I'm not saying they got to do it right now because it shouldn't be a priority right now. But at some point during this season or potentially next offseason, the Mets are going to have to lock these guys up. You can, I'd rather that run the risk of locking them up and something going wrong than wait until free agency and run the risk of every other team getting involved and you potentially losing your star player. That's the one thing that can't happen. And the Yankees were scared. Boone talked about it being an uncomfortable hour when the news, the fake news broke on Tuesday. 
Cashman had no idea what was going on. Yankee fans everywhere were in a panic. It was obvious that they were scared that Judge spurned them, which could have happened. Didn't, but it could have happened. You can never again put yourself in that position as an organization. Now, not to say you do that with every player. Every player is not Aaron Judge. But your top players can't let it get like that. And think about when was the last time we ever had a Yankee top player? And not even Robinson Cano. It was totally different. This caliber of player should have been locked up a long time ago. Cano was a great player, yes, but it was not no it was nowhere near this level. And he got a ridiculous contract that turned out to be an epic fail. And the Yankees were smarter for not giving it to him. This was different. This would have been bad on many levels. And now we don't have to worry about it. Coulda, woulda, whatever. He's back. Ultimately, it doesn't matter how you get to this point. We're here. And Aaron Judge, rightfully so, will be in pinstripes the rest of his life. One more thing on Judge before we move on to what's next for the Yankees. This is exactly why, for all of you, and I'm am I, at times myself included, for all of those, us, who question why Steve Cohen and the Mets did not even inquire at all about Aaron Judge, you have your answer. It's not about them not believing that Aaron Judge was worth it. It's not about Shohei Otani. It's not even about the relationship between Steve Cohen and Hal Steinbrenner. It was mostly about they knew the Mets, and this is why people don't give them enough credit. They knew there's no way in hell Aaron Judge was leaving the Yankees to go to the Mets. Turns out Aaron Judge wasn't leaving the Yankees to go anywhere. But remember when people said, oh, give him $400 million, he'll leave. No, false, not true. Padres offered him $400 million. He came back to the Yankees. You think he would have gone to the Mets for $400 million? No way. That's why Steve Cohen didn't get involved. They really didn't have a choice. It was never a realistic option, similar to the Juan Soto trade. Different reasons, but similar to the Juan Soto trade. It was never going to happen. Now, So the Yankees bring back Judge. They avoid embarrassment. Their superstar is back. They'll name him captain soon. Going to be a big party in the Bronx. Let's not lose sight of reality. The Yankees still are nowhere near good enough to go win a World Series. That could change with the addition of Carlos Rodon. That could change with the addition of Brandon Nimmo, Andrew Benintendi, a player like that. See what happens with the Glaber Torres trade potentially and what type of piece the Yankees could get there. They're not far away. See, I feel like the Yankees are a move or two away. Rodon, to me, would be the next big move. That has to happen. I know that pitching wasn't the issue a year ago, but that move alone would take the Yankees to another level. Now it's not just Garrett Cole on an island by himself being the lone ace workhorse. You got Rodon who is a terrific and would be the best two-punch available. Then you have Severino and Cortez in that rotation. Now you're talking. Now you're talking best Yankee rotation in a very, very, very long time. That's what they need. 
And then, of course, the left fielder, whether it is Benintendi, whether it is Nimmo, Brantley, you know, some type of contact hitter to balance out the strikeouts and power in that lineup. And I think a lot of those guys fit that bill. Now, if the Yankees, think about that. And I wouldn't say this for the Mets, and I'm not going to say it for the Mets, so we could get into them in a little bit as well. They're much further away, you know, especially you look at the landscape of the National League. Bogart's going to the Padres. I mean, this is like, it's like fantasy baseball, what's going on with San Diego, what the Dodgers have, what the Phillies have. By the way, I made a mistake yesterday. I didn't realize that that they're moving Tatis Jr. to right field, San Diego. Apparently, that's going to be the projected lineup. So Bogart's going to play short. And Tatis Jr. going to play right, which means that, you know, I was saying yesterday, Trey Turner clearly turned down more money in San Diego because he wanted to play short in Philadelphia. Well, it turns out that's wrong. He just wanted to be maybe with Bryce Harper and the Phillies. For whatever reason, he didn't want the more money from San Diego. That's twice San Diego got burnt on offering bigger deals. Judge left $40 million on the table, and Turner left a bunch on the table. Anyway, you look at what's going on with the Phillies, with the Padres, with the Dodgers. You know the Braves are a terrific team. The Mets got their work cut out for them. They weren't good enough last year, and right now they're not as good as they were last year. So they have to up the ante here. They have to start acting like, not that they're not acting like big boys, but they're not on overkill mode yet. They got to get to overkill mode. That's where the other teams are at. And that's a problem. But the Yankees are, in my mind, legitimately two moves from becoming their best shot at a World Series berth. Certainly in the Aaron Judge era, but maybe since 2009. Rodon... Benintendi or Nimmo would do the trick. I don't think you could ask much more of that. That would be a phenomenal offseason. Again, you could tweak certain things, get a bullpen arm, another bullpen arm in there. You know, what are you going to trade Glaber Torres for? There are certain things the Yankees could do to tweak it a little bit. But the big moves, if they, on top of bringing back Judge and Rizzo, bring back Benintendi or get Brandon Nimmo in here, and add Carlos Rodon to an already solid rotation. I think that takes them up probably on paper. Now, it's hard to say they're going to be World Series favorites over a team that's owned them with the Astros. But I would think on paper, Yankees might be better. Remember, Houston loses Verlander. And Houston's been active in trying to replace guys. I get that. And they have pitching that seems to never go away. But still... Cole, Rodon, that lineup, I like my chances with the Yankees. But, long way to go. Rodon right now, just a rumor. And we don't know about Benintendi or Nimmo. While the expectation will be that they will get one of those two, we have to see it. That's maybe the most impressive thing to come from the Yankees. Not bringing Judge back at nine years, 360, but the fact that they're looking to add on top of it. It's not just, okay, bring Judge back and have the same team back. They need more. And apparently, they finally understand that. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Your official station to talk Giants. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. Back on the fan. Can you beat Vegas this football season? Superbook gives you the chance every week to go head-to-head with the best odds makers in Las Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms. No guys across the pond setting lines for American sports. Just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at the Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds boosts and promo bets anywhere. So download the Superbook Sports app or visit Superbook.com. And start your battle against Vegas right now. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 877-337-6666. The Mets made a couple of solid moves yesterday. No big splashes as they await, you know, or we await them making a decision on Kodai Senga. And I feel like that's going to be the next piece. I think the Yanks are getting Rodon. I think the Mets are getting Senga. And now you're going to talk about two loaded rotations. And the Mets yesterday adding Jose Quintana to their rotation. And I love that move. Two years, $26 million. When you look at what, and we were on the air yesterday with the Taiwan Walker stuff with Jamison Tyone, where you look at what those guys got, I'd much rather have Quintana for two years than I would Walker or Tyone for four. Seng is the key piece. Once they get him, all right, that's it, rotation set. Now bring back Nimmo and go get another bat. And then await Shohei Otani. I mean, that's the formula for the Mets, I would think. Like we said, for the Yankees, get Ben Tenney back or go get Brandon Nimmo. Uh, this, of course, after bringing back, or not bringing back, but bringing in Carlos Rodon. Mets also made a trade for Brooks Raley of the Rays. Left-handed reliever, nasty against lefties. Can get righties out as well, but a dominant reliever from the left side. Mets needed arms in the pen to begin with. And they get a good one in Raley. At least for now. I mean, he has been good. Now, with the Rays, you wonder if the guy's going to fall off. But still, can't question the Mets for that. And these are the type of moves. I said this yesterday on Baseball Night in New York on SNY, 6 p.m., Monday through Friday. These are the type of moves that separate the haves and the have-nots. This separates the men from the boys. Obviously, going out there and getting Verlander or Kodai Senga, those are big moves. But a move like Quintana, where maybe other teams can't afford to spend $26 million on a fourth or fifth starter, that's where the Mets should have an advantage. Little moves like that, they start to add up. Or depth in that lineup. Obviously, the big moves 
you know, it's sexy, it's, you know, splashy. Of course, those are big deals, but the little moves, those are the, you know, maybe a lesser team can only go out there and get one big free agent or one middle-of-the-pack free agent. The Mets get the big free agents, and the Mets and Yankees, obviously, too. I'm just The Mets have now entered the chat. The Yankees have been here forever. The Mets could go get the big free agent and then pile on on top of it. And Quintana, uh, Quintana to me, is a perfect example of that. Eight seven seven. And now, obviously, there's plenty more to do. 877-337-6666. Tommy's calling from Long Island. Tommy, what's on your mind? Ciao. Good morning. What's up? Good morning, Tommy. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. So yesterday, and I'm guilty of this, I didn't think he was coming back. Was I nervous? I was almost preparing myself that he's going somewhere else. You know, he's going to sign. Now, my question to you is, he took the nine years. So he really did leave money on the table by taking that extra year. Why would he take that extra year and not say, just match what they gave me. I want to come back. Uh, That's a good question. I don't know if that offer was a firm offer that he had to work with. The report was that the Padres would be willing to go to $400 million. Right. It's a good question that I never really thought of myself. I mean, the Giants had that firm offer. Maybe Judge right. was never realistically going to go there. And now remember, you're talking to the Yankee owner. If he says, hey, right. do you want do you want to be here or not, you can't be playing hardball if you no. really – don't want to go to San Diego. Now, if he really wanted to go to San Diego, then he could have said, look, you got to, I, I want to be a Yankee. Yeah, but you got to give me two more years. I need the, t- right. But he wasn't ready to play chicken there because he didn't really want to go. He would have potentially gone to the Giants for that extra year. Yeah, because I, I, I and, and the other thing I'm thinking, I, I'm thinking maybe, you know, because of the year that he had, you know, maybe they're going to be throwing some incentives in there that, you know, might wind up, you know, coming close to that anyway. Stay a Yankee. Maybe the captain thing is 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 a big thing. You know, you made history there. So I mean, there there, there is a lot there. I I I, I could see that the Yankees um, are lucky, Tommy, that Aaron Judge wanted them more than they wanted him. Now I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying they didn't want him. He wanted them more because he could have had more money. He could have went to to go home to the Giants. But he wanted yeah. the Yankees more, so he gave them every opportunity. I, I always, I and I always feel like you know, at the end of so now you gave him nine years, and my mind, like I always, I always say when you sign these long, you know, these long contracts, these years, I always feel like all right. So in his case, you know, the Yankees are always going to give you a good product. You know, they're always going to go out there and try to, you know, be the best. And you know, my thing is, listen, and. It's easy to say because the Yankees have been in this position, you know, a million times. But if you turn around and you get, you know, you get to the World Series, let's say, three times. Let's, I'm just making a number up. And you walk away and in, and in nine years you win two World Series. I, I think, I think that's, that's a good thing, no? Yes, but I hate this. And thank you for the call, Tommy. Appreciate you checking in. I hate this if they win X amount of World Series Will the deal then be worth it? Look, I don't care. And you will likely never hear me say, and I hope I'm here, maybe not at this particular time, but I hope I'm here in the next, over the course of the next nine years. I hope I outlast that contract. But you will never hear me say that that was a bad move by the Yankees. 
Now, we could say, in hindsight, they might have been better off had he not signed, whatever, you know, whatever it may be in seven, eight years looking back on this deal. But I don't look at this as a win or a fail based on how many World Series they win. This was the move the Yankees had to make at this time. Regardless of the results, whether that means individual results from Aaron Judge over the course of the nine years, whether it means team results over the course of the nine years, that doesn't matter to me. This is the right move right now. Now, you could look back and say, oh my God, he produced for eight of the nine years. They got their money's worth. Sure, those are things that people are going to look back on, but I don't think you could ever sit there and say, you know, I use the David Wright example all the time. The way that it turned out with the David Wright contract, it was awful. Not his fault necessarily. He got hurt. But the Mets didn't get anywhere near the value that they were hoping to get from David Wright in that contract. However, they had to make that move at the time. So I don't look back and say, oh, that was a disaster. No, it didn't turn out the way that you wanted. It was the right move at the time. And for the Yankees, this is the right move. So it's not about, oh, well, how many World Series did they have to win to vindicate giving Judge this nine-year deal? The answer is none. As an organization, they have to win World Series anyway. But that is not tied directly to the Aaron Judge contract. They had to bring him back. They couldn't afford to lose him. And it's the same thing with the Garrett Cole contract or Francisco Lindor. What, you think just because, just if those teams win the World Series, that's the only way that it makes it worth it? No. It doesn't work, at least in my mind, it doesn't work like that. I think you have to separate the two. And in the moment, at the time, this was the right move, and that will not change if Judge gets hurt in year two, in year five, in year seven, whatever. It was the right move. Also, it's not like it's going to prevent the Yankees from making other moves. I mean, the Yankees now are the first team ever to have three hundred to have three three hundred million dollar contracts. Why stop there? You're the Yankees. You should be the first to have that. Chris is calling from Beacon. What's up, Chris? What's going on, Sal? How are you? Good, Chris. How are you this morning? I'm doing good. I was wrong. You know, I admit that one. Uh, you know, but I was I was kind of right. You know, and you I, and John I, Heyman. Yeah. Well, I knew I knew when that I, I it was Tuesday, right? When they what mm-hmm. was that Time Magazine article came out? And yeah. Exactly what I was saying. How Cashman pissed him off by leaking that information out there, and you know. Putting it out there and having the fans boom and all that crap. Judge but, put the fear of yep. God in them. He knew yeah. exactly what he was doing. And I give I give all the credit to Hal. He acted like his father. He got involved. Cashman was screwing this up. I Cashman was trying to negotiate. He was trying to play be a GM. He knew I'm not. You know we have to build a team here. So he was trying to do the little budging. And Hal said, "Nah, we can't lose this guy. We're going to make more money having him on the team, and we cannot lose this for." You know, for our fans and everything, he did exactly what he needed to do. The one and he thing, brought the guy back. The, and, one, the just, one thing, Chris. I'm sorry to cut you off. I'll let you go here. Yeah. And give you give you plenty of time. The one thing that I would be ticked off uh, about if I'm Hal is, you know, Cashman and his front office completely, completely misread the market for Aaron Judge and totally mm-hmm. undervalued 
what he was. Now, you could say, well, yeah, that's before he had a historic season, and sure it is. However, this contract was not given based off of one magical season. This contract was given over the total in Aaron Judge's body of work. It's simple as that. Over the the time that you know he's been with the Yankees and produced, whether it's injured, whether he's not, whatever, those offers were because of the contract, the the body work in total, not just one year. And Cashman and company thought he was valued at two hundred thirteen million. He ended up getting three hundred and sixty million, and could have been more. They were way off to a point where it almost cost them the player. Yeah, and let me get to my best point um, before you cut me off. But let me just finish with that too. And. You know, and I respect Judge a lot. That's why I, I say I want him as a Met because I would love to have a player like that. The way he just, you know, uh, um, you know, just a play, just a person he is. And he, you know, he wanted. We didn't know if he wanted to be a, a Yankee legend, but he's going to be that at this point. And he just felt, yeah, like you're right. They completely to give him that ridiculous offer in the beginning of last year was just a disgrace. And you know, they could have signed. He would have signed probably three hundred million last year. And and right, I think, they I cost think themselves just, at least sixty. And having that chip on his shoulder after it did piss him off what they did and putting it out there and trying to basically embarrass him, to, you know, like you said, you were fighting off Mets, uh, Yankees fans. Like, how could he not take that deal? And you know, and he's just he's perfect. Yeah, imagine for, that. For New York. We and we should have. I I wish around the holidays they play the best of the Salicata on the overnight and just rerun those all day where calls were calling in. Ripping Judge for not taking the 213, and I'm fighting them off. Are you guys out of your mind? Put yourself in his shoes. You think he should sign 213 million? Man, that was as uh, that may have been one of the more things I was right on. Now, look, you know what? I'm I'm wrong all the time anyway. It's you 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 get some right, you get some wrong. But no, that no, one, right. that one I nailed, and I can't believe. And look, I wasn't alone. Some people felt the same, but the majority of the Yankee fans were saying, "How dare he? He wants to be a Yankee. How can he not take the 213 million? Think about that. You wanted him to take 213. He got 360." Yeah, and Sal, no, Sal, you are South Drama. As you said, Jacob DeGrom is, is gone, and Aaron Judge will be back. So yeah, right if only the damn NL East, if the Mets could have hung on to win that NL East. <laughs> All right, now with the Mets. Look, I, we're, it seems like what we're doing with this two-year contract thing is they're trying to do a win now. But you know what? They're loading one pitching. Great. All right, they have to get some more bats. I just seen Josh Bell sign for $33 million to the Guardians for two years. Why couldn't we? We couldn't get grab him for for thirty three thirty three million for two years. I don't what think about Bell's a Mark? fit though. Huh? I don't think Bell's a fit with the Mets. Well, we need some hitting going on here. What about J D Martinez? He's still out there. Grab him. You well, know, maybe maybe they will. I mean, I'm not sure. See, you can read what the Mets are doing here. Not that they are telling you what they're going to do, but I mean, it was easy to predict Degrom was going to leave, and then, or maybe not for for some. But let's just say that in the event Degrom left, you knew they were going to pivot to Verlander, and then that exact thing happened. You know that they're focused on getting starting pitching depth. They brought in Quintana. They're looking at Kodai Senga. You would figure that that's next. Then they're going to make sure that they try to bring back Brandon Nimmo. If they don't, they're going to have to pivot and see which way they're going to go there. But it's not like they're thinking about the lineup right now, although at some point they're going to have to. So when they get around to that, whether it's J.D. Martinez, whoever it may be, I do think they're going to add a bat, and it's not going to be a big, significant bat, but maybe somebody who has the potential to be an impact bat. And I'll let you go after this because I know you probably have other people calling about Judge and everything else. But, I, you know, we're doing this quick stuff. With two, I want to ask you, you know, you can let me go after that, but about 
we're doing these two-year contracts now with Verland. These are older guys. He's going to be gone. Mm. Who knows how long Buck's going to be here? But what is the fusion looking like with us in three, four years from now? What, what, what are we going to do? We're going to lock up Alonzo after this year. Uh, I know we have Lindor for a while, but what else? Uh, bats and what other people we're going to pick up that we're going to have, you know, in the next five, six, seven years, and maybe get, bring a world championship here because this two-year thing they're doing now, they better bring in some significant players because, like I told you, Billy Epler. What he did in the trade deadline was a total dud, and I give it to the Padres for going all in in the trade deadline, even getting Bogarts now. The key. We have not did nothing right now as far as batting going on right now. If they don't make significant moves, <laughs> we're not winning the division, let alone, I don't know if we even get to the playoffs if they don't make any more moves. The key, and Chris, the key, and thank you for the call. As always, we appreciate listening and taking the time to call. The key is going to be in drafting and development. That's the key. That's the only way you can have sustained success. That is how the Dodgers have done it. That is the Padres model. Now, look, the Padres go out there and trade a lot of those prospects and bring in big players as they've done. They've also spent money. It's a perfect balance. You want to have that balance there. If you ask me to look into the future, three, four, five years, ideally, the Mets will be able to draft and develop pitching through their organization, which is not easy, but that's what they're going to have to do. And, I mean, obviously it's not just pitching, but the way that they're set up now is where they're paying big money on short-term deals, to your point. You hope to have success with those guys, but then when they go away, you have the young pitching coming behind them. Young, controllable pitching. Maybe pay for one free agent and then have everybody else be young and under control in that rotation. The other thing that I would say is, yes, yeah, obviously Lindor is here. Yes, lock up um, McNeil and Alonzo long-term. And I firmly believe Shohei Otani is going to be their guy. Now, maybe the Giants are going to be in play for him without Aaron Judge, without that acquisition. That could be a real threat. I'd be concerned about that. However, you have to hope that the Epler ties to Otani work in the Mets' favor. You have to hope that he's willing to come to play in New York. There's no way the Yankees are getting him now. I mean, I can't imagine the Yankees are going to be able to afford Shohei Otani on top of what they have going on. They have their mega superstar in Aaron Judge. So I would think that that takes them out on Shohei. You never know, but that's the guy. So the core for this Mets group in three years should still be Lindor, Alonzo, McNeil, Shohei Otani. You know, maybe Nimmo's back. Marte obviously won't be here by then. And maybe they have a young, you know, look, maybe it's Alvarez. Maybe it's Beatty. One or two of those guys you hope that to pan out. You have to have a nice blend. Some homegrown guys that work. Some free agents that work. A trade or two that works. That's what I think you're looking at. Liam is calling from Houston. Good morning, Liam. Good morning, Sal. Uh, I must say you are my favorite personality uh, here on the fan, so thanks for being you. Well, thank you, um, Liam. Thanks for being you. I appreciate the kind words. Um, I wanted to comment on the Mets hot stove and the uh, off-season moves. So, Jacob DeGrom not coming back, uh, that doesn't really bother me so much. I mean, I know he had great success and he did a lot of things, good things for the Mets. But with his injuries, um, I didn't feel comfortable with that with that contract. Mm-hmm. 
But as you know better than anyone, the Mets fan that you are, down the stretch, the Mets, they need the, the pitch after Scherzer and DeGrom, and then ultimately Scherzer and DeGrom weren't reliable in the playoffs. Right. But there was no one you can really uh, turn to. And I think now that they have Verlander and Scherzer, it's kind of – I know that they did they some minor moves for, for depth, but it's not like I feel comfortable with anybody in the, after those two in the rotation. And then uh, another thing is that um, the bats went quiet. So when uh, when Marte got injured, and that was a big deal because Russ and Vogelbach, they were terrible. So I don't really see any upgrades. And I, and I know you touched on this well, with the last caller. Well, think about this, though. Any- think, think about what the Mets lacked last year. Now, offensively, the numbers were okay. But they got zero production essentially all year long. And I know that Escobar had his moments at the end of the year. But they got zero production out of third base, zero production out of the DH spot, minimal production out of the left field spot. Think about that. And and zero out of catching. Four of the positions. Then you wonder why. And maybe being I'm a little harsh in left field, but because Canna is so similar to Nimmo, there's no power there. That's, That's where I'm saying that they're lacking. But they got zero from catching. Zero from third base, zero from DH. Those are spots that should not be difficult to approve to improve upon the zero production that they got a year ago. So that being said, while you said you know they're focusing on pitching, and I think Shohei Otani would help both the bat as a bat as a DH and as well as a pitcher. Mm-hmm. But um, what's with the rest of the lineup? You know what I mean? Like you just said, well, what's Alvarez going to be? What, what if uh, what if Alvarez is up here and catching a little bit and DHing? I mean, what's he going to be? If he's going to be the impact bat that they expect him to be, that's going to change the lineup. That'll change the entire look well, of the lineup. But the thing is, we don't know because we haven't really seen production out of him yet, right? Co- correct, so, but that doesn't mean so it can't I don't be. Know, I don't think that's something that we can, you know, as as, as Mets fans, we can rely on. And when we have so many holes in the lineup, hey, you know what though, Liam? Other teams, uh, other teams that are in the postseason, you know, other teams that have gone to the World Series, whatever, they get that type of production from the young stars. Uh, like it can't just be you got to go out and buy everybody, you got to trade for everybody. The Mets are going to need Francisco Alvarez to be the bat that he's projected to be. Whether it's starting of the year, whether it's midway through the year, if they are going to have success this year. They are going to need Francisco Alvarez to be an impact bat in that lineup. I don't see any right now. I don't see any way around that. So if I give you that, that's still that's that's one of four positions right there that that you that we've taken care of. Well, uh, you're assuming so, Nimmo's back, right? I'm assuming Nimmo's back, right? Yes. So now you upgraded DH or catcher. They still might get another catcher to begin with. I mean, maybe they get another catcher. And thanks for the call, Liam. Appreciate the kind words. Appreciate you checking in. They still could go out there and get a catcher. I don't know what's going on with the Astros catching situation, but I guess Vasquez isn't happy. Christian Vasquez would be a great addition for them. Between Alvarez catching a little and Alvarez DHing, that's one spot in that lineup that will be significantly upgraded if he's anything close to what we expect. I also expect Escobar or Beatty at third base to produce more than they did a year ago. Whether it's just Beatty staying healthy and getting more of a run, whether it is Escobar settling in in his second year in New York and producing at a high level the way that he did down the stretch. I still think they're a a corner outfielder short. 
I would love. Right now, if you ask me, not my dream offseason, because the dream offseason would be, and I'm talking about from a Mets perspective, my dream offseason would be Shohei Otani. But if you take out the big fish for now and just say the dream realistic moves this offseason, I think Nimmo back, Kodai Senga, and, you know, you look at, like I said, with the guys returning, that should help. But the other guy that I'd want on top of Senga and Brandon Nimmo returning, believe it or not, Michael Conforto. If you told me right now, and by the way, I don't think it's going to happen, and I don't think it'd be a great fit for Conforto. But if you told me right now, the Mets brought back Nemo, brought back Kodai Senga, I mean, maybe added Christian Vasquez or a, a decent catcher. I'd even take Martin Maldonado. Maybe, as a matter of fact, I'd prefer him. Give me a defensive stud to go along with Alvarez. But if you told me they made those moves and took a flyer on Conforto for a one-year or two-year deal, I'd love that. Because I think Conforto is exactly the type of offensive player that they need in their outfield. Assuming, you know, he wasn't a complete zero like he was the last year that we saw him in the bigs. And I would bet that he's not going to be. And remember, on this Mets club, you're not relying on Conforto to be your second best hitter. You can hit him seventh, and you're going to get a guy that's going to hit 20 home runs, probably at 265. Now, I used to have 300 expectations for Conforto, 330, 100. Right now, even if you get 265, 25, and 85, that's solid. I'd rather have that, or not rather, but you have that to go with Canna and Marte and Nimmo. That's a solid outfield. We need your second opinion. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Sal back on the fan. Fleece and I were just talking about it off the air. And Fleece wants Trey Mancini, and I understand why you want some versatility for the Mets. I want Conforto. And look, they're two different players, obviously different positions, but you're trying to round out this Mets roster. Conforto could put up goose eggs again the way that he did in his last, you know, in the last time we saw him. But the potential is there to have a high ceiling. I'd be curious, though, Fleeks, what do you think he gets? Like, we talk about risk-reward. What type of contract do you think we're looking at for Michael Conforto? With the, wherever, forget the Mets. I would just think if you're any team, how could you possibly offer him more than two years? And even two right. years might be being generous because, remember— it's not just that he missed all of last year with a shoulder injury, which for a guy who he's had a shoulder injury before and we saw how it impacted his play at times, he the year before that had, well, we're talking about Judge having the best contract year ever betting on yourself. Right, he had the worst. Conforto had maybe the worst. we've had. He was unplayable for most of 2021 with the Mets. Like We were calling for him to be benched for guys who were probably not great options, great major leaguers, just because he was that bad and that detrimental in their lineup. So he does have the highest ceiling of anybody left, absolutely. I don't want to risk bringing in a guy with his floor after what we just went through with a guy like Darren Ruff who was unplayable for two months. And Conforto, if it had just been one year, I'd say, okay, it's been two years. That's a long time. 
Yeah, and maybe Trey Mancini could help them in different ways. Like you mentioned, he could play left, he could play right, he could play first. They do need somebody like that. The backup first base aspect it is right, what's see, most interesting to me. See, that's why I want to replace Vogelback on the roster. I hate that his spot is being taken up by a guy who's not good enough to be the full-time DH and can't do anything else. Well, the problem is with who's out there, then you're getting a guy who is mainly a backup first baseman and if Alonzo doesn't get hurt and you're playing this guy as a DH, he's going to be worse than Vogelbach. Who you talking about? Man, uh, whoever's at, whoever else you would sign out there just to well, replace why Vogelbach. Can't, why can't Mancini replace Vogelbach on the roster? You have maybe I don't think it's going to be maybe DH, eventually but, if they add a couple more pieces. But right now, I think if you signed Mancini, I think Vogelbach would still find a spot on the roster because Mancini's right-handed. I think the guy who would go first is Darren Ruff. Right, which is fine. I mean, I which, think most, listen, nobody's yeah, nobody's upset about that. I think most Mets fans want no part of Darren. Like Darren Ruff, how's he even on the uh, on the club? How's he in the equation here? God, Darren Ruff, we got to look at him again. Ruff, I don't Vogelbach. think he ultimately will be. I think it's they're waiting. It's whoever they sign, and some team will then make a trade for Darren. You haven't seen a lot of those trades yet. The McCann trade, we think. You know, the Yankees. You think maybe they can dump Donaldson or Hicks. We haven't seen those moves yet, and we probably won't see a lot of them until you get closer to spring training. And more of the free agents are off the board. You think the Mets can move Escobar? No, and I honestly don't think they want to. What? I think Escobar is the perfect guy to keep for a year. He's insurance for Beatty. He's insurance for so well, much. What do you do with Beatty then? You just keep Beatty down? Assuming... No, I probably... I'm trying to find it. Listen, one of Alvarez or Beatty, to me, has to be playing opening day. Well, let's say Escobar's I, the opening I, day third baseman and he ha- is playing well. Then what? Like, obviously, if he's playing poorly, they're going to eventually call up Beatty. But let's say he plays well. Then what? You're going to keep Beatty down the whole year? I think you would keep Beatty down for a while. Yeah, If he's playing well, then, I mean, the other alternative would be then if you have issues of catcher, you have Alvarez catch and then Beatty's your DH. Right. Okay. I could see that scenario. I, I just, I mean, not I mean, listen, I, by July, I think both are here and playing close to every day, or at least Beatty is playing against righties and Alvarez is playing every day. Yeah, it's just it's nice to have multiple options, but you can't have everybody on the roster. There's not but Escobar makes sense for a year because his buyout after this season, I think the option is nine million, but the buyout's only five hundred thousand. That's but it. I think so. I think you keep him for this year and then that's because it. he's insurance for you know a, lo- a lot more, of the, yeah one more year of seasoning for Beatty and then. Assuming that there are no other significant changes. Like, look, Beatty could be traded. Who knows? But assuming the the transition would be Escobar to Beatty eventually. Right. And, and then, listen, there's a chance where you could see, you know, Escobar struggled for a lot of last year against right-handed hitting. So maybe you get to the point where they're platooning at third base. Right. But then you got two guys for one spot, kind of, you, you're taking up another bench spot. You know, I, I guess you could have Escobar then DH. I'm yeah, not listen, opposed to ha- that. Or having Escobar as a pinch hitter in those games where Beatty starts against the right-hander, lefty coming in late, having Escobar available off the bench is not a bad thing. Yeah, that, that's the other option. I thought they were going to do this in the postseason last year. You could with Gourmet because I want the Gourmet well, bat in they there. They might have if Beatty didn't get hurt. Right. If Beatty's at third, you have him play third, Escobar's at the H. I mean, that's, that's your I think DH that right was there. part of That he, was their hope when Beatty had to come up when Gourmet was hurt. I think that was their hope, and then Beatty got hurt, and that just wiped out any possibility. He might be a better option than what's out there on the market. So I like well, the way they hope that- he is. And you've said in the last couple segments, we 
all these other teams. The Dodgers have done it with guys, the Braves, the Astros. The Yankees failed not because of the guys in free agency they brought in their trades because their young guys outside of Judge did not hit. Ultimately, when you're these teams, it comes down to your own guys that you've drafted and developed. And this regime hasn't had any guys they've drafted yet come up because they've only had, Epler's only had one draft. It's going to be a while before we see those guys. This is it. It's kind of the Alvarez, Beatty, maybe Vientos group. And then, because we know Brody and Sandy depleted the farm system, then you're going to be looking at a dark period for like two years until they have more prospects coming up ready to contribute. So they need at least one of these guys to hit, if not two, in a big, big way. And if they don't, it's pretty simple. It's going to be tough for them to go win a World Series. Which it's going to be, they're going to be the Yankees, a team that was good the last few years, and you're going to be close because you spent a lot of money. But unless you hit on some of your own guys, I mean, the Braves hit on Michael Harris. The Astros let Carlos Correa walk, and they hit on Jeremy Pena. The Dodgers over the years hit on Arias and Bueller. It makes a huge difference. And Will Smith and Gavin Love. That's what it comes down to. The Yankees, if one of Glaber or Gary Sanchez or Andujar or any of these guys, if just one more of them hit along with Judge, it's probably a a World Series in the last five years. Agreed. You, you, You just, you need it. It's as simple as that. All right, we'll get back to your calls in a little bit. 877-337-6666. Marco, where were you yesterday when you heard the news? Were you sleeping? Were you up? What was going on? No, actually, uh, Gio gave me the news. I just dropped off my daughter. Um, Flipped on. You had a got, morning turned show the, on. Turned the car on, and obviously the fan's on. And I heard Gio, it's 526 Pacific time. So I was like, uh-oh, something happened. And then I'm trying to get out of his voice because he didn't say where he was going because he had just dropped the news maybe 30 seconds before. Uh, so it took me about a minute, but I could tell in his voice that it was a good thing. So kind of figured it out from there. I cannot believe that it happened that early. I mean, come on. Are they on the West Coast? It happens that early, break. but it can't happen in the middle of the night for us to break live. That's what I'm saying. We're here all, all... Instead, we it's got, I got to in... break Xander Bogarts with Keith. Yeah, and there you go, because it was in San Diego, because they got it done basically at 5 o'clock in the morning. That's what I'm saying. Which would have been perfect for us if they were, you know, hanging out in Atlanta. Um, Instead... We were talking about it last night. I told the... you 4 to 6 a.m. from having been to the winter meetings is like the only window where people sleep. They must have been so close to the finish line that when it got to 4 a.m., they said, no, 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 we're finishing this. Yeah, and then they finish it right in the middle of our sleep, of at least my sleep. And apparently, whatever time it was in Italy, where Hal was getting everything What's finished What's the time up. difference there? Do we know? Uh, I think it's 6. You ever been in the motherland? I have not. Me neither. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Really... You don't fly. I forgot. It's not about not flying. It's I'm a loser that I've never gone on vacation. I, there's a lot of family I'd like to meet. It is... Nine hours ahead, Italy is. Is it nine? Really? Nine hours ahead. Uh, no you, kidding. You could do the math. My I mean, I don't know if wrong. that's accounting for uh, standard time versus daylight savings time, but so think eight to ten. Nine hours ahead of, huh. of, I thought it was of eight. here? Right. Nine it hours might, ahead. Well, it might yeah, be yeah. eight daylight savings time, nine standard. But of Eastern like that. time, you're yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, right. yeah. All right, so I don't know. Do the math on that. What yeah, because we, we were doing some Zooms was, during COVID. Sometime between one and three over there. Yeah. Sometime between 1, 1 and 3, 3 p.m. PM. Okay, yeah. so then Hal was, you know, whatever. Hal was fine. Hey, he was having lunch. I uh, I know it is insulting, I feel like, uh, to my ancestors that I haven't been to Italy at all. Do you feel the same? <sighs> no, not really, considering my parents were born and raised there, and it took my mom like 30 years before she went back. Really? So, Your yeah. parents are from there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, yeah. And, like, from there. Not like they came here six months old. My mom was 19, 18, 19 when she came here. My father was about 13 or 14. Holy Obviously, crap. Obviously, they're not here. That's so cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my whole family. So we're the first generation that was born here. And you've never been. No, which is nuts. That's what I'm saying. When I say family, like, I mean 
there are aunts and uncles that I've never met. There's, that are there. That are still there. Some, some have died. Like, right. some of them are still there. I have cousins, a lot of cousins that I've never met. Oh, yeah. Are you, you guys watch, either of you guys watch uh, White Lotus? I do, but I'm not caught up on this season. Okay, Please, I won't spoil spoilers. No, I heard it's great, but I haven't seen it. Well, the reason why I bring it up is it takes place in Italy. So, you know, look, I've seen The Sopranos, I've seen The Godfather, like I've seen movies and things that have taken place in Italy, right, right. and it's like, oh, I want to go, and I've known plenty of people who've gone, but I've just never taken the time to do it, or had, you know, had the money and the time to do it, the combination, but watching White Lotus now, and I love the show, it's fresh in my mind, it's giving me, it's it's getting me itchy to go to Italy, and now you're telling me, your parents literally are from there, like for me, it's, uh, I'm trying to think of how many um, families removed, my grandparents parents i believe came over all right so, so my great my great grandparents came over from italy mm. had my grandparents here okay yeah i mean for me it has to be and i know this sounds nuts because i've never been there at all it's got to be two different trips one to see like the italy that we all want to see the right. rome and all that right and then to see the two little like amalfi coast yeah I, I also need to see the two tiny little towns which is like a separate trip to go see my where my family's from yeah because they're two separate towns that are not that far away from each other, but, you know, still probably dust-covered from 1947. That's not quite the Italy that everybody sees on The Sopranos or White Lotus, I would imagine. But that I need to see because I need to see where my parents yeah, are. You're right. full-time you now. You got to do it. My parents just, my mom's wanted to go forever. Her family is Italian, so she's wanted to go forever. They were supposed to go in June of 2020. Obviously, that didn't happen. Mm. They finally got to go a couple months ago. Loved it. They went for the two plus weeks, so they explored the touristy stuff and then some like more smaller towns. So you're full time now. Try to find a, yeah. a a fourteen fifteen day window and do it all at once. You know mm. what bothers me? The flight. Mm. The, I don't like long flight. I like six hours is a, a lot to me, and I think that that's more right. Again, I, yeah, I, I don't think it's it. that much more though, because I remember when my parents went and they told me about the flight. I remember saying, "Oh, that's not that much more than I did for California." And which then was I'm about nervous. Six. I'm nervous too, like. I mean, I've been out of the country to, like, the Caribbean, I guess, or whatever, like Aruba and yeah. things like that. Um, I'm trying to think of other times I've been out of the country. I don't really, you know, Mexico, whatever. But that's not, like, Italy's, like, a different world. I'm, I'm a little intimidated, honestly. Uh, I think you're probably, I don't think that's that big a deal. Again, not being there, I but I don't, the I don't think it's... I mean, what do you... What, this, you well, know, that you got to figure out. I mean, that's that's a little difficult. You'd be fine in the spot with a lot of other tourists. And you'd be surprised to people like how many people in, in Italy speak English. You'd yeah. be probably And they understand this. Feed me. Yeah, like, feed, that's all I want to do, baby. Eat. Yeah. I want to eat and see the. See you just the, give them the Zeke. Feed me. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Pizza. I, yeah. <laughs> not that big there. Pizza. Yeah, not that big a deal. Really? It's yeah, it's different. Are you the Italian expert or not, Marco? No, I, no, I'm not. Again, I've never been there. It's not like, but it, it, yeah, from everybody. No, I've, I, I've heard the same thing. Was it's, I just listening? I'm not, I it's it's, it's different. It's not like what you think of here in New York. That's not the pizza you're going to get in, in Italy. You're going to get more of the homemade. Right. There's a reason like we've, what happened in New York changed it. New York pizza yeah. is, it's very yeah, undistinct it's totally different. I don't know if, I think it might've been on Carton and Roberts. I'm all over the place and I'm on lack of sleep. So forgive me here, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I was just here. I thought it was Craig was talking about it, eating pizza in Italy or somebody maybe was on their show talking about that and how... It's well, not, it was it might have been much Craig's. more likely to be Craig than Evan. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, Evan will go to Italy and have McDonald's. <laughs> Craig was saying it, it, pizza there. Is, I forget. It's it, it might have been there. It was it's somewhere. different. It's just it's different when you think of. I mean, because I know, you know, I've had like homemade pizza. Like, it's just right. it's more of like the olive oil with the the bread with more right, of like the fresh mozzarella. Right, it's not what we think. Right. You know, it's, it's fresh tomatoes. It's different. Look at Marco, you know, the fresh mozzarella. It, it's different. It's different. Hey, he's speaking my language. This is great. The other thing that, and we'll get to Marco's update in a second and then back to your calls. I apologize for the uh, diversion here. Um, but I'm, it's overwhelming. Like you said, you have to make 
two trips. I, I want to go to Italy. I don't want to go once. So then it's like, okay, well, you start in Rome and you do the Amalfi Coast and you do Sicily or whatever, or you go to your home, like Palermo. Like, there's so many. There's well, a lot. What am I going to do? Things. Tour the entire country? I, again, I don't know, and I don't know in, how in, long in it would two take. Weeks? Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know, and I'm you not the guy. Your daughter with never, you? Yeah, that's that, a good question. I didn't even get that far. Yeah, you kind of forgot that part. We were talking about like you know full time. Like yeah, that's great and all. What, what, what about, about kids? you? Have two kids I, at home. <laughs> dude, can I leave the entire family and you know two and, and one and, on the way and another one that's coming oh, right, that apparently right. is going to sleep in the shed? Like yeah, can I leave screwed. that all? You're, you're never going to Italy. <laughs> Just look at your mom's photo album. Yeah, sure. my wife's been though. I mean, oh, Marco, more you than start. once. You guys can all go together in like nineteen and a half to twenty years when everybody's out of the house. Yeah. Assuming there's no more kids after this. And yeah, a, I mean, maybe like my daughter's 16 or so. I mean, geez, please. 2041, 2042, book the trip. He's got me with another one. <laughs> we haven't had the third one come yet. He's talking about a, a fourth I one. Assume, well, assuming there is nobody for either. Do you hear yeah. what Marco, Marco calls the kids? Three kids now? Go ahead, Marco. I love this. This is my favorite thing. <laughs> oh, boy. Bad decision. Oops. And you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I'm going to make that the chapter title for yes. the sports talk. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for that one, but yeah. Oh, that is fantastic. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.